0: quite frankly, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy that they, the and especially the PA hasn't addressed this, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, uh, you know, there's no money in it. You know, there's, there's like, they have to do it this way. I'm like, no, they don't. The
1: country one Oh seven morning show with Dave Anthony. Very excited as we are each and every week to talk Winnipeg blue bombers football with a friend of the show, John Rush. John, thanks again for doing this today.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure.
1: All right, the bye week is in the rearview mirror, but before we get into some football topics, I did see this thing on your Twitter I want to bring up right off the hop. You may not be going by John Rush for much longer. Have you set up a bracket for what people are supposed to call you?
0: Yeah, so I uh, I set up a little bit of a March Madness bracket in October to, uh, to switch up my, uh, you know, because I'm getting back into working out here. And I'm like, you know, I really feel like a meathead right now. But I'm like, I'm vegan, so you know, I can't, I can't call myself a meathead. So I'm like, you know, and like I always, I don't. We would always joke around and talk about how beefy we are. But I'm like, it just doesn't sit right with me anymore. So uh, I'm trying to figure out like a new name to call myself instead of you know meathead or beefy or something like that. So uh, it's the the bracket. it's, It's the October Madness bracket. Uh, and it's open on my Instagram right now. Everyone can go vote, and it's just uh, it's just like a fun way to pass the time right now.
1: There are some really dandies up there. I think the Walmart Hemsworth might be my favorite.
0: Yeah, you know what? That one, like when it came through, I was just I was like hurt at first, but then I was like, I don't, I can't really argue it. Like <laughs> it was, it was like I was like, yeah, you know what? I mean, I'm going to take that as kind of a compliment. So. <laughs>
1: Get in on the voting and uh, uh, just keep following John on Instagram at John Rush 5 and on Twitter at John Rush 32. All right, let's get into some football. Bye week is in the rearview mirror and there is some bomber topics that we need to discuss, John. And one of the first thing that comes to mind is apparently it's been very edgy at bomber practice the last couple of days. Some guys have been you know, going a little harder in drills perhaps than they were earlier this year. Is that just something that happens as a year goes on where, you know, guys are challenging each other, challenging themselves, and things can get out of hand?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's kind of interesting to think about sometimes when you're, you know, when you're in such a highly driven and high-intensity environment for so long, you know, it's bound to happen right you can only you can only be so kind of i don't want to say controlled because you can always control yourself but you know when you're in that high intensity of an environment for so long it, you know it's bound to happen and and that's kind of why the it's up to like the coaches and and a lot of the vets you know it's you know if you know if it's happening between the vets and like guys like Mike Miller and like Andrew Harris or something like that then there's a problem which i you know, suspect that's not the case. So, um, that it's just bound to happen. And it happens every year. And, you know, the coaches do a good job of, of managing it. And, you know, when you're going against, like, even if you're not wearing pads and you're not full on contact, we're going against the guy for, you know, three, four, five months straight. It's, it, you know, temper swear. it, it, it happens, you know, we're only human, you know, just, just because we're, they're professional athletes doesn't mean they're not human. So, right. So, um, yeah, it, it, it happens. Uh, but like I said, you know, it's kind of up to the vets and, and the coaches to make sure, like, to keep it in, in control and make sure that there's a there's a healthy way to release that, um, you know, that, that kind of buildup of maybe frustration or just kind of intensity uh, instead of you know letting it create like either a divide in the locker room or just a full on brawl where someone might get hurt.
1: Right, like you said, there's that fine line, and I think if I'm the BC Lions and I'm hearing that Willie Jefferson is getting mad at teammates in practice, I'm not looking forward to being the first person he (laughs) runs into Friday night. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs)
0: exactly. That would not be the ideal situation to be in.
1: I don't think there's an ideal situation to be hit by him at any point, but especially if he's mad.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, John, uh, injuries are something the Bombers have had to deal with. I mean, a lot of fans maybe have forgotten some of the high level of talent that's been on the sidelines because the Bombers have been doing so well, six and one, uh, I want to talk to two different sides of the injury coin as the injured player coming back. How long does it take to find rhythm? How long does it take to, you know, fit in, not just on the field, but back in the locker room? Like what is that like for a player coming into a six and one team?
0: Yeah, you know, what it's, uh it's, it's tough sometimes, you know, it, it's tough. It's, and especially if you've been injured the whole season, it's kind of like, oh man, this is, it's like, I haven't been here kind of doing the thing. Right. So uh, it's, it's certainly, t- it, it all kind of depends, you know, if you're injured one week uh, it, it's certainly significantly easier to get back into the rhythm, to get back in. Uh, but, you know, like, like if you said, um, you know, you've been injured the entire season so far and you're coming in week eight, you know, or, or you know, week nine technically, or, um, and you're trying to kind of like get into it. It's gonna take you a while. It's gonna like it's gonna be harder. And you know, that being said, like the bombers do a good job of you know making sure that injured players are still involved in everything and and are still doing everything. But just like personally, mentally, when you're injured, it's very difficult um, because you you kind of almost feel like you're letting your like your teammates down. You know what I mean by being injured? Which it, it's such a stupid thing to think. But because like there's nothing you can do about it, you know, if you break your arm, you break your arm. Like <laughs> you can't, can't, like you couldn't have really avoided that, right? So, uh, but it, it, it's just kind of the mentality of most players is, you know, they feel like they're letting their, you know, their brothers down by being on the sideline. So, um, if they're, you know, if it's a longer injury, like if they've been injured the whole season, it does take, it does take some time, uh, to get back into it. And it usually, you know, it usually will take, uh, even a a couple games to get back into it.
1: So then for the players that have been filling in for the injured individuals, what's this week like knowing that they're either coming back or they're closer to coming back? What's it like for the guy that's filling in for someone that's been hurt so far this year?
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really tough situation to be in. Um, especially if you have been performing, um, and that's just kind of one of the realities of pro sports. Uh, it's a super unfortunate reality that, that, that happens. <laughs> it it happens. So, uh, you know, that's why a lot of the times we talk about making the best out of your opportunities because you never know when one, you're going to get another, but two, when that person's going to come back. So if you get an opportunity, like you know, like I've talked about many times before, you never wish somebody's going to get hurt, but people get hurt. It's inevitable in football. So if someone gets hurt and then it's your opportunity to step in and fill that spot, you better make the best of that opportunity. You better show your stuff, not only for your own team. And like this, like this is like you, sometimes you almost have to think a little bit selfishly, but not even for your own team. But obviously, you're on the team. You want to win. You want to, you know, get that great cup. But say you know that person comes back. You want every other team in the league to see what you can do. So the next season, you know, for like if something happens, they release you. Then you then you're you know you have film, you have tape of what you can do, and other teams have seen you and had to game plan against you, and and there's a better chance of you getting picked up. So, you know, it some guys take it really poorly. And some guys take, you know, some guys just under, understand that's kind of the dynamic of throw sports. It, you know, it's so unlike any other job in the world that it's difficult for most people to kind of comprehend. But it, it, you know, it's just it's just one of the things. And and if you're a team player, which most of the guys are on the team, they kind of understand like that's going to put, you know, you know whoever is coming back, you know, that's going to put the team in the best position to win the Grey Cup. Okay. Yeah, and then, and then, uh, then you're gonna get bumped down to second string. You need to make sure you're continuing to stay ready. Forbid something happen. You know, like if something happens again where that person gets injured, or you're prepping the defense even better now because you're, you know, you've taken game reps, so you're you're even, you know, more fine tuned. So, you know, everyone kind of has a position, and and just because you might not be the star, um, doesn't mean you still don't have a position on a team. And, and like I said, some guys take it really well. Uh, some guys take it very poorly and and usually the guys that take it poorly don't last very long so uh, it's a a very interesting position to be in.
1: For the coaches John um, what's it like in their minds because how how much rope do you give somebody who's just coming back from injury versus a guy that's been playing pretty well and now gets bumped down the depth chart a little bit is there is there almost a a quick trigger that coaches will want to pull the guy out, put the the guy that they trust back in, or or how do coaches balance, you know, getting an injured guy back into the lineup and giving him confidence without hurting the team?
0: You know, it's it's such a, a delicate balancing act, especially in pro sports, that uh, you have to manage so <laughs> so many different like avenues that like some most people won't even think of. So um, you know, it, you know, first. First and foremost, like the team, you know, you, you're thinking, okay, what, you know, how, how is this going to affect the team? How is this going to affect the locker room? Like, if we put him back in after he, him not having played, like, is there gonna, is it going to create a divide? But then, if you have like, a, you know, a huge all-star guy that's coming back, and you don't put him in, and then all of a sudden, this team doesn't have a big game, How is the media going to react? Yeah, um, and then from there. You have how is that player that's coming back from injury, how is his mentality? And is he going to, uh, you know, is he going to shut down? Or, you know, there's, it's such a fine balancing act between like 20 different avenues that you're, that as a coach, yeah, I feel for coaches that, like, it is not an easy situation to be in because not only are they trying to balance all that, they're also trying to game plan. <laughs> like, it's not like it's not the only thing they have to worry about. They have to worry about, you know, a million different other things. So, um, so it you know it's it is a very fine balancing act of, of managing you know twenty different things, um, and the the more you communicate, the better, right? That, that's that's you know not just in football in life, but uh, that's usually how you know it, it works in football too. You know if, if you're you're a good coach and you communicate what's going on with the players and and they kind of understand it makes it a lot easier for kind of everyone to be on the same page rather than uh, if you're kind of just moving people around behind closed doors and all of a sudden you show up uh, you know after a bye week and and someone's been bumped down and someone's back and then everyone's like wait what the heck is going on here right so uh, the more communication the better Uh, some coaches are great at it some coaches are uh, the absolute worst so it you know it, it all depends on the coach and the coaching style so it it can be you know it can be incredibly stressful and like i said i feel for the coaches it it sucks
1: well, the coaches are going to be in tough this week on both sides. Uh, Winnipeg and BC, I think BC's better than their four and three record that has them third in the West. And I think Winnipeg's right where they should be atop the West at six and one. But you start looking at the numbers, you go Caleros versus Riley. They're neck and neck. Uh, Kenny Lawler and, uh, former bomber, Lucky Whitehead are both having big years defensively. It's big. Which matchup are you most looking forward to, you know, head to head come Friday night?
0: You know what? I, I think, I think it's got to be the Lucky Whitehead one. I've, seen, I, you know, I I love Lucky. He's he's a uh, he's a good guy. He's, he's super fun. And I, I I saw him again. He uh he just got the top performer of the week. Um, CFL I think just announced that that he was top performer of the week and stuff like that. And uh, I was I was actually gonna make a tweet about. I couldn't, that I couldn't believe the Blue Bombers released him. He is just a, an absolutely phenomenal athlete. And, um, you know, I, I played, played with him and he has so many talents and he is so fast. It is, it is just insane. And I think, but I think the, I think the one to watch out for and it's one that not a lot of people talk about often is the special teams matchup. I, I, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna be interested to see the you know, the Blue Bomber special teams you know, Mike Miller's been lights out all year, but it hasn't been great. No. <laughs> and we like, missed a bunch of field goals. Lucky's already returned um, I think one field goal for a touchdown. So that is that's the that's the matchup I'm gonna be interested to see is, is the you know the special teams versus Lucky Whitehead matchup.
1: Oh, he's going to be licking his chops thinking about that. Like he's going to have some space to run.
0: Oh, exactly. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 he's going to get. You know, I hope he doesn't get more than one opportunity. But <laughs> you know, if if we're going by you know, a couple weeks ago, what he what I think we missed four.
1: Yeah, he's okay. He's going to have more than one over under yeah. th- uh, over under two and a half opportunities to return kicks for touchdowns. You, you I may have I to mean, take the over.
0: Ex- well, yeah, exactly right. So, so that, that I think that'll be the the big because 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 that's the thing too. Imagine imagine your team that thinks they're about to you know get three points on a field goal, then all of a sudden the other team goes up seven points and you go up zero. Yeah. That is a that is a huge crusher. Absolutely. That is a that is a, that's terribly demoralizing, um, you know. And and so that'll be the that'll be the matchup to watch this week because you know everything else is, I, I feel like is pretty even. You know, we we both have you know stellar offenses and, and things like that. So I, I think I think it'll be the special teams, and we both know how important special teams is to you know. The, the the Canadian Football League, so it'll be a, it'll be an intense one to watch, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, let's stay on the special teams and just on the opposite side. Uh, I've I've as a fan have not felt that Winnipeg's kick returning has been where it necessarily needs to be. You look at a guy like Lucky Whitehead, or you look at some of the others uh, in the CFL. They're giving their offense, you know, ten fifteen yards more to work with. What are your thoughts on the Bombers' kick returning, and is there improvement? am, am I, as a fan, looking at it wrong? Uh, just kind of break down what you've been seeing when it comes to kick returning.
0: No, so, I think you're. I think you're pretty. You're pretty spot on with that. And you know, like, that was that was my bread and butter in the CFL. Uh, you know, I was a fullback, so I basically played just special teams most of the time, especially in LaPolice's offense, who doesn't use a fullback. So. Um, <laughs> So you know, I I played I played special teams by four years in the CFL, and and I loved it. I I love special teams. It's a it's a ton of fun. And um, and I, you know, it's funny because I've scored touchdowns on special teams with Lucky, Lucky Whitehead. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I've been in that exact position with the Blue Bombers, and uh, I was actually I was I was going to tweet a video of it today because. Um, I mean, I'm sure he slows down, but on the one touchdown he he ran back, it looks like I'm faster and I crossed the finish line. <laughs> I'm not saying I am, but I mean the video doesn't lie. So, um, but you know, but you're right. No, to get back to your point, you're right. Um, they haven't been, especially especially not even just on kickoff, but on, I've seen it, you know, a ton on punt and mm-hmm. and I think that's I think, you know, it's it's an unfortunate kind of side effect of of what happened during you know, the pandemic and the league kind of messing everyone around is you had all these guys. So, so what ended up happening was all these, so everyone that was kind of a starter in the CFL obviously knew they were going to come back. And everyone that was like a rookie knew they were going to come back because, you know, they're young, they have, you know, they don't really have anything else to do. They probably still living with their parents, you know, as, as I was as a rookie. And, uh, but all the guys in the middle, like you know like such as like myself, Thomas miles, you know guys like that that were just like you know four, five, six year vets, but like we're just like special team guys mm-hmm. we're all like, well, we have like mortgages, you're not guaranteeing us pay, and you're not even telling us if there's going to be a season,
1: yeah.
0: So, like, all of us, like, move, kind of had to move on, right? So then you have this big kind of divide where you know the you know you have a ton of vets, which is great. you all your starters are basically vets, but then the next guy in, is a rookie, it's like, yeah. and you kind of see that. And, and you know, we've been fortunate; we've had a, a, all of our DB rookies are have been performing uh, and things like that. But but then you get into that situation where special teams where those guys like, you know, me, Thomas, and everything would play, then you're putting in rookies there. And, you know, I look back to my first year in the CFL and I'm like, man, I, I wasn't, you know, I certainly wasn't where I was in that 2019 season. I'll tell you that much for free. So, so, you know, they have a bunch of rookies playing on special teams, you know, bar like Mike Miller, obviously. Uh, so it, it makes it, it does, it certainly makes it more difficult um, because they just don't have the experience, you know what I mean? And they don't they're not kind of at the same level. And it was it's kind of it was kind of an unfortunate side effect of everything that happened that no one really kind of looked at. Um and I'm not really sure what the solution is. You know, I'm not really sure what what they can even do about it, but you're you're right. Their their return game has sucked this year. <laughs> like it hasn't they I don't even I don't even think I've seen Really, one that sparked more than like a thirty-yard gain, um, and you and usually like I played with Ryan Lankford. Mm-hmm. I played with uh, I played with Lucky. Obviously, I even played with Charles, and Charles is, is, is unbelievably good uh, returner as well. Um, I you know I played with some very talented returners, and that and that like that that reverse they did last game. I don't know. That was a that was really.
1: I don't know. That was yeah. Really weird. Yeah, um, I, I just I'm reading right now. Actually, a couple of guys that are coming back is explosive kick returner Janarian Grant and run-stuffing defenseman li- uh, defensive lineman Steven Richardson. So they could both really, really help with um, the kick and punt returns.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, it's Janarian's, Janarian's great. He's he's such a good returner. He's yeah. He and he's not afraid to just go in and get the ball. It that'll be interesting because. <clears throat> It doesn't you know, it doesn't matter how good of a returner you are if you're not getting the you know, if you're not getting the
1: space, right? That's just so, it. Like that's something as a fan I never would have thought of. I always look at okay, the guy with the ball needs to do more. But like you were saying, you're a guy that's been on that field. If you miss your assignment, that guy's not going anywhere.
0: Oh, exa- well, exactly, right? And it and it kind of goes back to when we were talking with the quarterbacks too, right? Like, you know, everyone everyone is, is so quick to blame the quarterback, which uh, you know, they they do hold, you know, the majority of the blame. But a lot of the times, you know, if the receiver didn't take the right steps, isn't in the right spot that the quarterback's expecting them to be, it's not really the quarterback's fault, right? So, um, you know, a lot of people are so quick to blame the person with the ball, but it's like there's so much, like there's 12 players on that field. So if if all of them aren't kind of doing their jobs, it can go south quick, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Bombers currently last in the league in kickoff return yardage at 327, and they are fifth in punt returns with 300. So Grant uh, will, will take over for, for Nelson, and uh, I do expect a, a bit of an improvement there, but like you said, special, it's a team, special teams, you know, it's, it's, it's about everybody on the field. Uh there's a few more bombers that are making their way back from injury. I'm I'm looking at like uh linebacker Kyrie Wilson, defensive backs, uh Cromati and uh Noah Howlett, Josh Johnson also uh making his way back. Just to go back to the injury uh, one more time, which position in football is the hardest to pick back up after an injury in your opinion? Is it, you know, D B, is it quarterback? Which which position is the hardest to jump back into after a lengthy layoff?
0: That's uh that's a, that's a really great question, actually. I think I I like
1: hold on. I like how you're surprised when I ask good questions like this. You're almost like dumbfounded. Like, hey, that guy actually came up with something useful.
0: No, no, (laughs) no. It's it's no. It's um, I just I I honestly I've I've been I've been doing interviews for uh, probably ten plus years now, and I've never heard that question before. So I,
1: I try and ask one every week where you where you sound surprised that I asked it. Yeah, and there, there we go hit that one all right so back to it which position is the hardest to jump back into after being injured
0: yeah that's that like i said that's a great question i think the i think um i it, it would really depend to be honest on on the injury for the most part um you know like if you're uh if you're a quarterback and ha got a concussion i'm i'm gonna go with it it's that one <laughs> that, that one's definitely the the hardest one to get back into uh, because yeah like you're just not mentally there actually you know what I think that would just straight up be my answer because you know I've I've torn my ACL I've pulled my hamstring I've broken every finger in my hand before and things like that I've you know I played my entire last season of college on a broken leg and you know for the most part you can kind of get back into it but I as a quarterback it's it's difficult because you rely so much on your brain and yeah. things like that you you can really see it too you, when you're watching even even when quarterbacks don't get a concussion so if you and and this was something we talked a lot about on defense when I played in college was um we wanted to hit the quarterback as hard as we could even you know even if we didn't get the tackle even if they didn't you know if they got the ball off as we were hitting them or something like that. It was okay, because you can you could see it in their demeanor after the fact. You know, they started releasing the ball quicker. They started, you know, making not making reads. They were kind of just like slinging it out because they didn't want to take that hit again. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think I think I would have to say that you know, uh, quarterbacks coming back from con- concussions would definitely be the toughest because you can see it like. And like it and it's tough coming back from concussions in general sure. like it, you know what I mean like oh, every yeah. position, but every position- you know like as a fullback you, you kind of just you know what you just kind of go whatever you know yeah. you stick your, your you kind of stick your nose back into it, but you know but for quarterbacks it, they rely so much on their heads and minds that you can really tell when they come back from it.
1: Now, for me as an outsider and as, as a fan, just for minor stuff, I would think that you know the DBs and those in the secondary would have a really hard adjustment to the timing because it's faster than it is in practice. You know, Live game is, is much faster, and I think that would be the area of concern if, if watching this game come Friday is watching Mike Riley being able to potentially pick apart that secondary. Where do you see an area of concern Friday night for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or is there one?
0: An area of concern would be i mean you're you're right it is it is faster and especially um, especially with a, a quarterback like Mike Riley, you know what I mean who has that experience has that um, you know, know know-how and he's, you know, he's a savvy vet, you know, and he's tough and, you know, he's tough.
1: He is Uh, tough. Like that guy, that guy could fight Chuck Norris and it would be close. Like that's how tough he is.
0: Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so you're right. That, that definitely is, you know, something to watch. Uh, But I think, I think my, my biggest concern would be a a team concern um, where, and this happens quite often and, you know, it, we they try and do as good a job as possible with the Blue Bombers to uh, mitigate the fact, but coming off of a bye week, play it, it's very difficult. It's very mm-hmm. difficult for players not to be. Um, I don't want to say more relaxed, but like it, they they've had a week off, they're not as into it. They you know they kind of need to get back into it and everything like that. So if they it, my my biggest concern with this. Would be like what happened in Toronto, where they just came out flat, and then they they kind of they the, the Argos got up on them, and then they couldn't really c- recover. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So they were still kind of in the game, but they just could never really recover. They never really got their footing or anything. Like that. And that that would be my concern this week is because they're coming off a bye week. They're six and one. Everyone's pumped. You know, they're high on their horse. They, you know, everyone's talking about how amazing they are. If they start, you know, like kind of drinking the Kool-Aid here and believing the hype, this it might it might be a, you know kind of a bloodbath. Yeah, they're going to get quarterback like you know Mike. Ryan. It's not like it's not like the BC Lions, like you said. That you know their four and three record is not indicative of how good a team they are. They are a good team. I think I think the CFL power rankings have them at like second or third.
1: Absolutely, like
0: they are a good football team that are they, they're they being very much underrated right now and obviously as we know Mike Riley is a very good quarterback so you know if, if they start kind of drinking their own Kool-Aid here I think I think it, it might be a, a recipe for disaster
1: a few more things uh, about this football game I want to pick your brain about and then uh, we'll get into what uh, some other stuff here uh, just in a sentence or two how much confidence do you have in the kicking to the point where if you're the coaching staff, you say, okay, that's done, two-point conversions, we're going forward on third down, or we're punting, and you just take the field goal attempts out of it. Is there any thought of that in your head that could be going on with the Bombers right now?
0: I'm surprised they haven't started going for two more often already. That I would have, I would have already been there at this point.
1: Yeah, so like this this game especially coming off the bye, if there's any indication that the kicking game isn't where it needs to be, you see them going for two, or you see them being more aggressive on third down, maybe like third and two, you see them maybe going for a little bit more.
0: I would I would love to see to see that happen. Whether it does happen or not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, just I I know the coaching staff and they're more strategic than that. They're not risk takers. Mm. They're, they, they do, you know, they, uh, they take calculated risks, certainly, sure but they're not that aggressive. Um, but like I said, personally, if I was, already, if I was in this situation, I would have already been going for twos on, uh, you know, uh, after point attempts. I, I mean, there are teams that just straight up do that anyway. Yeah. Like, e- even with good kickers, they just <laughs> do that. Um, so, you know, they, they've, They've looked at the risk and they're like, yeah, no, it's better to get the two. So, yeah, so for, for sure, the after point, I would have already been going for two. Um, the third and two thing, I, I don't think they'll do. They're not, uh, they're not that aggressive a risk taker, I don't think. But, you know, it would be, it would be nice to see.
1: It's, I think next week we're going to be talking about either the kicking situation being solved or something that's going to be a legitimate concern the rest of the year, like it is now. I think there's either one of two ways it gets solved or it doesn't, and we just white-knuckle it any time it's third or it's, there's a field goal. I think that might be the situation we're in.
0: Yep, yep. I, I think I would <laughs> agree
1: with that. Uh, one thing here before we get into uh, some lighter stuff. I saw this tweet from uh, Derek Dennis, and, and it, revol- it involved uh, a couple of players. The Elks signed defensive lineman Chris Kasher and released DB Brian Walker. And that's interesting to me because of the tweet that Derek put out saying that's why signing a multi-year deal in the CFL is dumb. Teams can cut you with no salary cap penalties and you're left with no guaranteed money. This is a big issue in football and John, I'm sure you can speak to that as you kind of alluded to that a lot of guys who maybe should be playing aren't because they had to choose life and making mortgage payments over chasing uh, their, their love of the game.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, and it's it's something I've I've spoken about with the PA. It's something I've spoken about with
1: um, you know a ton of
0: people. It is it is just an, such an absurd concept that if you sign a contract within the CFL, none of the money is guaranteed except for the signing bonus. But that's the thing is they only give out signing bonuses to like the the best of the best. You know what I mean? So it's like it makes no sense. You know, like I I sign a contract for, you know, to get my cell phone with Rogers and, you know, I sign on for two years. I have to make those payments for two years. I can't, I can't just call them up and be like, ah, Hey, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. and just cancel it. That's not this how a contract works, but for some reason in the CFL, it does. And it, it's just, this, it's such an absurd concept that, you know, I don't, I don't even know how it's legal to be honest, but you know, they, they can cut you at any time and not pay you a single dime. So, uh, so, yeah, like I said before, like, you can't ask guys, especially with how uncertain everything in the world was, and they didn't even have a plan. Like, they were, like, when the season started, they were still working on their, the, the like, all the plans for everything. Like, they didn't even have the plan in place. I'm like, how do you expect guys to come back? Like, I, I'm like, I, I legitimately do not understand how you were expecting people to come back to this, and... Um, it, it's just, it's really sad to see, um, because I know how stressful it is. You know, I've, I've, I've been in that locker room, uh, sitting beside a guy that got cut right in front of my eyes and, and he's all of his, he's in tears now because he doesn't know how he's gonna, you know, feed his wife and kids because that's, you know, that's what they were relying on. And, and it, it's just such a, it's such a terrible con, like, situation and, and even for, as a fan, like, take, taking, you know, the players out of it selfishly and thinking about it the fans, it's a fan, it's, it's a terrible experience for them because teams just go through players because there's no penalty to keep a player. There's no, like, there's, you know, or to not keep a player, right? So it's like, oh, you performed bad this week? Okay, see you later. We'll bring someone else in. And as a fan, and it's one of the number one complaints as a fan, I've been through the CBA negotiations twice now and the CFLPA consistently brings this complaint up is the number one complaint with fans is the fact that teams the the teams never say the same and they just turn over so many guys year after
1: year yeah like i am as a fan i love watching other sports for them being able to build winners year after year and buying a jersey of someone knowing they're going to be sticking around and investing in that player and then in the team it is way harder to do in football especially in the cfl than it is in other sports and i don't understand why
0: well it's it's just that you know that that's it because they have this culture where you know you they, they the the contract the only thing the contract does is it protects the team because then that player can't go and talk to another team and negotiate a higher higher salary. Yeah. That's it. So like if I signed a two year deal at minimum and then all of a sudden I'm having like a light out season I can't go to like, you know, B C and just be like, Oh, hey, you know, sign me for you double this because I'm I'm doing so well. It it just means that for the next two years I have to continue to get paid this no matter how well I'm playing. It, the only the only thing the contracts protect is the team, and it, it, quite frankly it's it, you know it, it's it's it, it's crazy that they the and especially the PA hasn't addressed this you know and everyone's like oh uh, you know there's no money in it you know there's, there's like, they have to do it this way I'm like no they don't they're absolutely not even if even if you had to guarantee a portion of the contract even if it was twenty five percent you could do that. Yeah. I'm like, teams could do that. 100% they could do that. And it, and it would foster more of a community. Players would stay. You know what I mean? Like, yep. And, and instead, instead, everyone's just always actively looking, and like Derek said, everyone's actively looking for, like the smart players at least, are actively looking for to go just to the team that's going to pay them the most. Because why wouldn't you?
1: Yep. And it's like, year after year and that player is moving around and, their families, if they're in Canada, that's got to be tough on families. If it's in the States, maybe it's a little easier because they're leaving anyway. Yeah. But there's still a lot of players that, you know, go through the what am I going to be here next week? And it just seems like that's a question that athletes in the CFL shouldn't have to answer.
0: Well, I, exactly right. So And, and, and you know, the, the, the league likes to talk about, you know, fostering a community and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, you guys... You don't do anything to do it. Like you don't take the steps necessary to do it, and they always all they do is complain about money. And I'm like, the money's there. You guys just, I don't know. So it, it, it's unfortunate. It really is. Uh, I love the CFL. Uh, I would, you know, I, I want to see it stay around forever. And uh, but the way the the players get treated, uh, it it really it does need to change.
1: And you know what? Maybe this year. I, I don't. I don't. Honestly, John, I don't see that ever changing. Uh, only because you know people with the money and the decisions they will keep making more money and making uh selfish decisions in that way, but maybe fans coming out the way they have after this pandemic season uh maybe it 'll tell them that the c f l is here to stay and they need to invest more in their in their product to keep fans you know coming and and keep you know teams being good
0: you you would love you yeah, I would I would love to see it. You know, I would yeah. love I would absolutely love to see it. And I think you're right. I don't think it re- will really ever change. I think <clears throat> the only way it really changes is in a, you know, a CBA negotiations that and like I said, I think it starts small. I think it's, you know, guarantee 10% of the contract. And, yeah. You know, I, I'm not say I'm not saying we have to go straight from 0 to you no know, you have to guarantee 100% of the contract, but you know, you wedge yourself in there. No, yeah. guarantee 10% and then in 4 years it's 25%. And then in, in the next CBA, it's 50%. You know what I mean? You kind yeah. of just build your way up.
1: But then you but think on the other side, it's what are they going to be taking from you to get that, right? Like the, yeah. from the business side, it's okay. Well, if you want that, then maybe you only get 50% of your salary when you're injured. Or, you know, they, they start, they, they'll find a way to get even somewhere.
0: No, no, I, I feel you. It's, it's it's interesting to look at when you look at how much um, other leagues pay their players. Yeah. C- compared to how much, <laughs> Sorry how much the CFL pays their players. And in other leagues, like uh, NBA, NHL, NFL, things like that, players often make up to 50, like the uh, player salaries account for basically up to 50% of the league revenue. In the CFL, it's about 20%. So there is, you know, there is a giant disparity between, you know, other leagues and the CFL. Um, and and player salaries and and, and things like that. And, and in the CFL, people are all like, "Oh, well, you know, we we have to pay, you know, administration and and all these other things." I'm just like, you don't think the other leagues have that? I'm not <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not sure what what you think this argument is, but it the other leagues are significantly bigger and have significantly bigger administration. So um, it's 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 very interesting. You know, it, it, it's all very interesting and, you know, it's above my pay grade for sure. But, <laughs> you know, if we, you know, if all of a sudden the CFL players were getting paid as much as, or like, you know, what was in line with every other sport, you know, getting 50% of the, you know, annual league revenue, I think a lot of things would change. I think you would start seeing superstars and um, like a huge kind of culture change within the CFL. You're, you're all of a sudden, you're building these players up. They don't have to work in the off season. They don't have to do all these extra things. You can have this really cool culture, um, but like I said, you know, it, and like we both talked about that. You know, the the decision makers are going to be you know, greedy in their own regard.
1: So, but the, even just to your point again, like you can build full on marketing campaigns in each individual city long term based on players staying like it shouldn't be just a given that andrew harris is going to stay in winnipeg because he's from here you know like it, it should be because the team's invested in him and he wants to be you know like that kind of guy and marketing is another huge area where the cfl is lacking and i think that could potentially be fixed by having long-term players in areas like winnipeg or you know what i mean 100
0: percent, you're you're 100 percent correct and especially and especially because it's so the unfortunate reality about the CFL is, you know, we want we want sponsorship and, and corporate money, and you know, and especially TSN, we want that TSN uh, deal. Yeah. And they want they want corporate monies, and they want be they want to be able to show that Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver are the big markets. Right. Because that's the ones that all you know all the corporations about right it, you know it's great that winnipeg sells out and does amazing and, and everything like that but the businesses don't really care um <clears throat> so like from a league perspective we want toronto montreal vancouver to have these you know big name staying power guys but instead in toronto you have just like i think toronto has one of the highest turnovers in the league yeah. and i'm like and everyone's always like, "Oh, why does no one go to Argonauts games?" I'm like, "Why would you?" Yeah, like, like no one knows who's on the team ever. No, <laughs> there, it's, it's a hassle to get to. It's in the you know, it's in the middle of downtown. I'm like, I'm like, man, it just if you if you want to be serious about this, you need to get. Imagine if the Argonauts had like a guy that was on the team for 12 years, like a. Like, you know, like, look at, look at Peyton Manning and, and yeah. the Colts. Look well, at Tom Brady and the Patriots. Like,
1: look at Mike like, O'Shea.
0: Well, like, oh, exactly.
1: Like it's he, not, he sold tickets himself there because people wanted to see him play in Toronto.
0: Exactly. It's exactly it. And, and it's just like, how do you not understand that this is how you do it? Like you get a superstar in there and he, they stay and they stay for a long time and people come to see that person. And for some, like, oh, it's not some reason. The, the CFO just wants a quick <laughs> marketing win. They just, yeah. want, they just want that instant, oh, you know, we did this, and then we sold this many tickets, and, yeah. and boom. It's, it's a fire.
1: It's they want a firework, right? They want a... Exactly. Th- yeah.
0: A quick... But like, that's, that's not the reality of the situation. Marketing takes time, and it's been so bad for so many years. They have to do a lot to catch up, especially in markets like Toronto.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, that even leads into, we could go down another road where uh, penalty uh, drafting, like our, our team's even penalized for drafting poorly. I, I it's, That's even debatable when you think about how picks are moved or when guys can move on. But that's maybe a conversation for another day. Uh, John, we've talked a while now, and uh, we're, we'll keep it uh, really short. This last one here is, is just uh, something from your Twitter account. Are you very concerned that uh that bone can't catch, or is this just like it, was he watching highlights of your football and he wants to just make you feel better so he's gonna just drop everything what's going on there
0: that's that's uh that's a good one uh, <laughs> um, bone uh bone, he's thankfully never been able to catch so it, it was never you know everyone everyone's going off that after he had eye cancer and had to get his eye taken out that you know uh that it, he couldn't catch because of that but he he's never been able to catch he is he is a very clumsy dog he's always run into walls he's he's very slow he's like he's like a, like he should have the like a tuba follow him around like, <laughs> dope, do, dope, do, dope. like that's how he like that's how he walks he's just uh he's just kind of a dopey dog like that um so i but when I when I did start posting uh on the internet that he couldn't catch, there were there were quite a few other um uh, dog parents of great Pyrenees that all were also like, Oh my god, my Pyrenees can't catch either <laughs> so uh it was like it was like reassuring that I'm like, Oh, okay, like he's not just uh the worst wide receiver of all time. He's <laughs> just a Pyrenees. So But hey, if you tell him to go run through a brick wall, he will do that. Uh, so He's he's more of a defense alignment than a wide receiver I'd say. It's
1: the kind of teammate you want and uh you know both your dogs you got one that can't catch and you got one that's standing at the ledge uh you know trying to build things for all dogs <laughs> and uh, never a dull moment with your pups, eh?
0: Oh yeah, they're just they're just they're a, they're a, they're a wild ride. They have so much they both have such different personalities. It's so funny to kind of like watch like Bailey is such a, a annoying, high strung little sister, and Bone is just like such a grumpy old man. Um, so like, kind of like, like seeing their personalities uh, is just it's so it's just so funny to see how different they are from each other. Um, but they're they're great. It's it's so much fun, you know, having them and, and spending all day with them. Now that I work from
1: home. Bombers and lions nine p m on friday night uh, it's going to be a late one, John are you going to do a full on meal or are you just going to do like a vegan snack or what are you thinking I think i'm just going to do uh popcorn to be honest i think I, I I think by that
0: time i'll I'll have eaten already <laughs> um, I hope to have eaten by that <laughs> happy I, I don't, I don't want to be just starting dinner by that time uh, and i I love popcorn i it's such an easy, quick thing to whip up yourself and uh, and I top it with and here's here's a, here's a quick trick that even I didn't know about before I turned vegan, but uh, there's something called nutritional yeast. Uh, I know it sounds disgusting, but <laughs> it it tastes like Parmesan cheese. It's just like little yellow flakes, uh, and you, you like put like butter in your popcorn and you sprinkle that on top and mix it around. Uh, and it gives your, it gives your popcorn like a cheesy flavor. And it, nutritional yeast is incredibly healthy for you. So, um, that's, I'm just gonna make a giant bowl of that and, uh, just kinda crush that all night because super low calorie, um, you know, pop, popcorn's got like, you know, you can eat like a cup and it's, it's only got a couple hundred calories. It's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably just, I hope, I hope, you know, like, like I said, I, I hope I'm not eating dinner at,
1: <laughs> when the game starts. <laughs> uh, Bombers back at home following that against Edmonton. We'll tee that game up. We'll break down the, uh, the BC matchup next week as well. And, John, we've got to set up a time where we can get together, watch a game, and actually you can do uh, maybe some Instagram live, breaking down what you see, kind of like uh, how Peyton and Eli Manning do it. Uh, I think John Rush breaking down a live Bomber game would be pretty neat.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. That'd be uh, that'd be awesome. And you know, as, as the season goes on, we can we can definitely
1: set something up for sure. John, thank you so much for doing this, buddy. And we'll chat again next week. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. It's always uh, always a pleasure. The Country One Hundred Seven Morning Show with Dave Anthony, weekday mornings only on Country One Hundred Seven.